Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning in. Equity Bank-sponsored podcast today with a fantastic guest, Sean Van Horn, the co-founder and owner of Freight House Fitness. He founded it with his wife, Kendra. And they got an interesting story. You know, Sean uh, met his wife, Kendra, in 2010, and Sean was currently laid off from his job on the railroad, and he really wanted to make that leap into becoming a personal trainer. His wife was a former athlete and always into working out for as long as she could remember, and and Kendra knew Sean's desires, too, of wanting to start a fitness business, and, and she knew that Sean could be a great trainer. So Kendra was working full-time as a hairstylist, and she was super creative, artistic. She has a passion for design, and... But they didn't uh, really pursue it right away. They had a few years of partying, as he said, and really trying to find themselves and, and deal with their past hurts, which we explore in this conversation. In 2013, they went through an inner healing ministry at their church, and it was at that moment they came together in their relationship and they started to get a vision for what is now Freight House Fitness. It's a unique place, a place, as Sean says, where people are blessed with the feeling of being welcomed, loved, and healed, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually as well. You see, Sean and Kendra wanted an environment fueled by Kendra's creativity and Sean's gift for helping people accomplish their goals and become the best versions of themselves. And today, Sean and Kendra are blessed to have an amazing group of personal trainers helping them out and a a great community filled with some of the most genuine living people around. And that was their dream. That was their vision. And that's what became Freight House Fitness. I really love this story and I love Sean's authenticity, transparency and vulnerability in this conversation. It is a key reason why I think he's so successful. And I think one of the big things you're going to learn in this conversation and pay attention to his ability to, as an entrepreneur and as a leader of this business, the ability to pivot. And there's a difference in Sean that I think is going to make him successful. His his mindset, his beliefs, his attitude has led to a resilient business. And there's a difference between being resilient and just stable. He didn't panic during this COVID crisis. When we recorded this conversation, it was in uh, late April, and I'm recording this now on May 22nd. And so his business is now back open, but he was well ahead, I think, of a lot of his peers and a lot of uh, the other gyms, and particularly as you know, a small business owner. You know, He's not a chain. This is his own small business. And pay attention to what he did and how he took care of his customer. I think that was key, and that really stood out to me in this conversation. And again, it's... It's his resiliency that's going to make him be successful. And I was really impressed with his his plans, his attitude, his ability to adapt, improvise, adapt, and overcome during this COVID situation. And I wish the best of luck to him as they are now back open 
And as you can imagine, owning a gym in this crisis is probably one of the more challenging businesses to have. So congratulations to him. Congratulations for his um, ability to, again, pivot in this crisis. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. This show is brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. It's been a privilege and honor and exciting to see them grow over the last two years since they've been a sponsor of this show. Equity Bank is a team that knows what it takes to start and grow a business. It's been exciting, like I said, to have them be a part of the show, and they're now listed as part on the on the NASDAQ exchange, and they got locations all across Kansas, as well as Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas, and they continue to grow and expand. I know the leaders personally, and it's clearly it's a team that knows how to lead for growth. And if you feel like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader, and they don't quite understand your needs, then and you want to work with a bank that understands those needs, then go check out my friends at Equity Bank, equitybank.com, to learn more. Thanks for listening. Now let's join our conversation with Sean Van Horn, co-owner and founder of Freight House Fitness, in this special series brought to you by Equity Bank here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Sean, good morning. Thanks for coming on Dose of Leadership. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. You thank you. Well, here we are, almost a, a month into self-isolation, quarantine, or this or that. You're up in Kansas City, right? Is that where you live? Yeah, yeah. I'm in the Kansas City, uh, kind of right in the downtown area. How's it been for you? I mean, how you been? Um, how how the past thirty days been for you personally? Well, crazy. Uh, <laughs> you know, we uh, we own a fitness studio uh, that focuses on uh, large group training uh, with a personal trainer, and so you know, COVID nineteen has basically destroyed our business model. And um, I've got, you know, that's kind of all we do. It's it's our whole livelihood and how we. Um, live is based on our freight house fitness our business so that really has kind of taken the forefront just trying to um change what's needed to change and still um still solve the problems of our of our customers and kind of make sure that they're being safe but you know doing that and so that's kind of been the big thing and then just the you know what everybody's going through right now you know we've got a two and four year old boy at home and and so trying to work around the house and and um, being at home all day with everybody together is, um, you know, it has its challenges for sure. Yeah, it, is. it does, right? I mean, I mean, life is always full of challenges, but this has come to everybody all at once in varying degrees of intensity. But it seems like there's a level of everybody's kind of dealing with some level of intensity and uncertainty. And the fear and uncertainty is certainly uh, it's always there, but now it's kind of reared its ugly head in, in like 10x, right? So I'm always curious about people's personal kind of habits and beliefs and the resiliency and 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 how they how they deal with this. I'm fortunate enough that, you know, I have a airline job. There's certainly a lot of uncertainty how this is going to look in October uh, when the kind of government funding runs out and the assurance is a furlough. But so, but you, I just can't even imagine. But my point is I have some level of, of, of certainty and ease that a lot of people don't have. And I feel for them, but then I really feel for the entrepreneur. And then I really feel for the guy that owns a fitness studio where, you know, social distancing is not part of, you know, the business model, like you said. So how are you, how are you dealing with this fear and uncertainty of what it looks like when we try to quasi get back to the new normal is the business are you are you hoping to get back to the normal business model or are you already looking ahead of like okay how do we shift this and what does a fitness studio look like you know six months from now 
Uh, a little bit of both. Um, so, so the biggest thing I, I wanted to be careful of is I didn't want to completely um, just completely shut our business down and go um, 100% uh, remote and online and become basically an online personal trainer. Right. Put all my focus there because I knew that this isn't going to be forever. And I didn't want to start doing a lot of things that I knew I couldn't do once we opened back up. And so really it's been first strategy for me was just like, let's slow down the burn and figure out what we can do um, to still help everybody that is our current members and take care of them uh, in any way that we possibly can. Um, so what I did right off the bat was I took our list of members and um, split them up between our coaches and each of our coaches have uh, been assigned a certain number of people and they, they literally just started calling them and um, offering to help them in any way they possibly could. And, and um, whether it was, you know, running an errand for them or, or just what we do, which is fitness and providing them with any accountability or whatever goals they had to kind of like help them maybe with a new routine or, or with whatever, they needed from their house. Um, and so we've been doing that on a weekly basis with each member. Uh, and then the next thing I did was um, that was going to be an easy move that I think we can probably continue forever. And uh, kind of what you were talking about looking ahead is, is just daily workouts from home. And so uh, our coaches each have a day where they film a full workout like we would do in class, but then it's designed to, where you can basically do it with, with your body weight, maybe a chair, if you have like some canned vegetables or something, you can use that too. Um, and then if you have weights, then great. You can, you know, you can add to the intensity that way, but we really just wanted to do that. And so each day we record a video and um, we put it into like um, this online portal uh, that I've kind of created. And uh, what'll be nice is when we do open back up, it'll be really uh, uh, an added value to current members because now when they travel or when they want to stay home or whatever it may be, they have this um, complete online portal to log into where there's nutrition and health tips and, and full workout videos that they can follow along with. And then, so that has been my main focus. I didn't really try to create new, I didn't try to find new business or any new people. I just wanted to really take care of our people and um, take care of the people that are, have been taking care of us for so long and that's was kind of my big focus to begin with. And, and so once I did that, then now it's kind of like, let's create this, you know, intro trial for people to start and, um, you know, kind of see what, um, what, what we can get organically through that. Um, so now we're kind of, you know, now we are kind of um, promoting it to the public and anybody else that wants to get involved. So, you know, I like, I like everything you said there. And I think that probably is what, just intuitively and instinctively and just hearing what you said the first time, it makes perfect sense. And it was probably the exact right thing to do instead of kind of hunkering down and starting to panic and think, okay, we got to, the whole world is going to be completely different and change. We got to come up with a new business model. And oh my God, you, your first and primary focus was let's take care of our folks. Let's take care of our customers who've been with us, you know, for the long haul. And I think it speaks volumes to what makes fitness companies like yours unique and I think we were talking earlier before the recording that you know I, I mean I can go on YouTube right now and I can go find a million different workout routines you know that I can do right now from home 
free body weight. I can download an app and get a body weight app. But the, the, the beauty of what you guys do is, is the sense of community and the accountability. And I think that's what the competitive edge is, right? And that's what you provide. I mean, yeah, you got the fancy equipment, a clean atmosphere, a friend, you know, and all that other stuff. That's a given of, of a fitness business. But what, where I think you take a step ahead is the community and accountability piece, right? Am I, am I hitting it on the head or, or not? Oh yeah. 100%. I mean, we're never going to compete, um, because we're not millionaires and we never got into the fitness business to, um, you know, really have a lot of money or anything. It was really just more about the creating community and, and yeah. our passion and our purpose. And so like, that's how we, um, can get an edge on our competition and, you know, things like Beachbody that, you know, has, you know, tons of money and, and amazing broadcasted videos and everything else like that. But it's like for us, I mean, it's, it's our coaches knowing each member. It's our, it's us knowing everybody and, and, and not only just knowing those people, but what they do for a living and how they're impacted right. by this crisis too. And having those conversations with them weekly on a weekly basis and just like really creating that community now virtually that we can't do in person. Hey, I, I just think that's a beautiful thing. I think that's a smart, the smartest thing you could have done, right? Personally calling, even running errands, maybe whatever the case that's, I mean, those are the, the differing, the little things that are going to compound in the long term. It may not be, you know, satisfying your cash flow situation at the moment, but it's certainly going to pay off in the long run. I just, it has to, you know what I mean? Because in that staying, yeah. in that staying true to your business model too, which I think is so, so important. It's, it's having that awareness of why you even exist in the first place, which in a, in a funny way, when these things happen, these kind of um, black swans or these these kind of crisis events, they're they're great centering moments or they're great moments of opportunity, right? Because because it reveals a lot of things that you may have been taking a nap on, and it sounds like when this happened, because you had again, maybe I'm getting too deep in this, but it seems like you had a, a, a sense of self-awareness and purpose of why you existed, that your first natural reaction was, let's just take care of these customers that have been with us for so long in a unique, almost kind of labor-intensive way that a lot of people wouldn't even think of. I don't know. That's yeah. just kind of my outsider-looking-in analysis of it. What do you think? 100%. Yeah, I mean, um, that, that was the big focus for me. And, um, you know, and then and then just from a business standpoint, um, you know, just looking at every line item and yeah, uh, both on a business side and just figuring out what we can cut, what we can pause. Um, but then also just like my other biggest priority was our, 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 our coaches and our team and our staff. I didn't want to stop or um, take away from them at all. So I wanted to, that's kind of why I had them assigned to people so they could still kind of get um, hours and get work in by, you know, cause they're not going to be teaching classes anymore all day long, but or training clients personally one-on-one, -on -one. but you know, now they can spend so much time for, with each member every week and, and we're still able to, you know, um, support them and, and let, letting our customers know too, like that's our goal. We're not trying to um, cut any of our staff. We want to keep them going and, and our coaches are all independent contractors. And so really, you know, even the, these different loans out there, PPP loan is really just designed for employees that are W-2. Right. And so we're not getting anything um, to help our coaches. We're not getting any assistance or anything like that from the government because they're self-employed. And we're just, we just want to keep them around and keep them going because, you know, we really care about them too. Uh, that's, that's great. Uh, I mean, I, I feel for you, man. I, I try to, I, I, 
I, I can't imagine um, all small business owners what what they're what they're dealing with right now, and and it, it really does concern me that you know I don't know what this looks like when it opens up, and I I want it. There's a huge part of me that wants to just get this going again, and let's try to you know. And I can see people are itching for it. I don't know if you can see it up there in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, I can see yeah. people are going crazy. I, you know, when I went to um, Lowe's to get some paint the other day, and I had never seen the parking lot or Lowe's as packed as it has ever been. Now, obviously, it's more, probably one of the most only type of non-essential or essential businesses that are open that are kind of quasi non-essential. You know what I mean? Yeah. But and the weather's nice, and people want to do stuff. I mean, it was packed, and the roads were packed, and people were out. I think people are busting at the seams here. What do you think? Yeah, I think people are um, definitely, I mean, look at all these protests going on and stuff. And, you know, um, what's hard, what's hard in my position is I, I put people's safety first. And right. I think that, um, you know, that despite all the things that are going on right now, and as hard as it is for us to be shut down, I, I don't want to open back up too soon. Um, I want to make sure right. that, you know, the cases peak that, you know, um, that uh, the health officials and CDC say that it's okay. Um, but on the other end, you know, when the government says and gives us the go and the governor says, okay, like the shutdown's over, we're into phase one, which gyms are a part of phase one, then we really don't have a choice but to reopen. Um, because if we don't, then, you know, that's going to be really detrimental for us to ever open again. Right. Uh, because then all of our competition opens and we don't. Um, so then, you know, that's the things that I'm having conversations with right now with the team and, and with other, with other gym owners too, just other colleagues of mine is like, what are we going yeah, to do? What does this look like? What do we do that different to make sure yeah. people are safe and that we're not, you know, how do we do this? How do we, when the government says it's time to open back up, I mean, we got to figure out a way to, so that's kind of what I was talking about earlier. It's like, okay, let's make sure that we still have this entire online program for people that want to stay home and stay safe. But then let's also do things, you know, like, um, like right now in Kansas city, the lockdown is until May 15th. And I really truly believe on May 16th, they're going to have businesses open and we're going to open. Um, but we're not going to have 32 person classes right. in a 5,000 foot space, we're probably going to have about 10 to 12 people in a 5,000 square foot space. And each person's going to have a good 10 square feet. And so we're, you know, we're already planning for coming in and doing an electrostatic cleaning and sterilizing this place as much as we possibly can, um, having our coaches wear masks. And then um, we're going to tape off the floor to where there's like a 10 foot square, 10 square foot sections. So when someone comes in the door, um, we're checking them in. We're not having them check in on the iPad at the front yeah. or touch anything. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to be assigned weights and they're going to stay in their square with their weights, you know, social distancing. And um, they're going to wipe them down before and after. And then after each class, you know, we're going to go through and, and do a thorough cleaning again. So there's a lot of stress behind all that. Um you know, just trying to do all that. And on, and then people are still, it, it's going to be a challenge when we reopen for sure. But yeah. So then, you know, if we're thinking about hosting a class or two outside um, so we can really spread people out. So if people don't want to come into the gym, they can be in the parking lot and do maybe a spread out workout uh, once or twice a day too. So. 
Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they built one of the region's fastest growing banks by working side by side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Uh, Yeah, I mean, definitely. Challenges certainly abound, but I mean, that's what life is and that's what business is, right? When we signed up to be entrepreneurs, it wasn't, um, I think we knew deep down that it was going to be faced with challenges. I just didn't think they would be these type of challenges, right? These type of challenges, right? You know, but I think it's never imagined a pandemic or, or anything. Like I could have never imagined when I became a personal trainer 10 years ago that somebody would say one day uh, you're going to be considered like non-essential and and it's going to be illegal for you to do activity or, you know. Isn't that that crazy? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you had, you know, looking at your background and I I love your transparency and your authenticity on your bio and your, on your uh, company page. Um, Let's talk about that a little bit. I'm always appreciative when somebody shares their story. And I think from doing this show, one of my biggest lessons and, you know, 400 plus conversations, you know, everybody has a story. Everybody has, um, particularly the ones that have achieved significance. It's, it was never a smooth path. It's never, never a linear, well-executed plan. It's at some point, there's always a splat moment. At some point, you're deep in the mud and you pulled yourself out and you rinsed it off and you're a different person because of that moment in the mud. And that kind of defines your life, right? I mean, if you look at your kind of your, um, your past and how you dealt with your childhood and not being raised by your parents, having your grandparents raise you, you know, feeling a lot of shame and rejection and eating disorder. I mean, I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but what do you think about? what I've just said. Yeah. I mean, I feel like from the beginning I've had a challenge. Um, when my mom was like nine months pregnant with me, she got in a head on collision car wreck. She was kind of addicted to, um, painkillers and heroin and like that. Um, and so, um, I was almost not even able to be born. Um, and then after my birth, um, you know, I think, um, my parents were together, but they, uh, my dad was um, struggling with alcohol. My mom struggled with drugs. And um, so my 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 early childhood was, you know, getting taken from house to house and all around with my mom 
for, you know, doing whatever crazy activity that she was doing that was illegal and crazy. And, and then, you know, she was arrested one day and my dad was left alone with me and he was an engineer for the railroad and um, also addicted to alcohol. And so I think he had to make a hard decision and he called social services. And so I was put into a foster home. Oh, man. And so then that's kind of when my mom's parents fought the courts to take custody of me and, and they um, brought me into their home. And, you know, I was like a toddler at the time. I don't remember any of this, but I think it definitely probably plays a factor in someone's life when they, you know, um, you know, and I had pneumonia really bad and almost died when I was a toddler. So I kind of went through a lot of things in my early childhood. Um, and then just, um, yeah, growing up, it was kind of like, um, a lot of comfort eating, a lot of issues internally that I dealt with, a lot of nervous tics and things that I had. Um, and then I just um, was, you know, picked on and bullied a lot as a kid. And it kind of um, kind of really built a lot of resilience in me as a young child. And I became passionate with football because I could um, I could hit somebody and not get in trouble. Right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that- all my energy into that and got really obsessed with weight training and, and, and training for that and loved it. Um, but then after high school, I just decided to, uh, go to a community college and, um, and, and stop playing football. But, and then I kind of gained some weight back and that's kind of when, um, I got a job on the railroad cause I was just kind of lost and I knew I could make a lot of money and my dad did that. Um, so I kind of knew a little bit about it. So I did that. Um, but then in the last recession in 2009, um, I got laid off for about 18 months from the railroad. Um, and then my house went into foreclosure. I lost my truck. And then um, I was in a bad relationship at the time that ended in a really horrible way. And then both my parents that year passed away um, of drugs and alcohol. So it was a really crazy year um, that I went through in 2009. Um, and then I met my wife. Um, Kendra in 2010. And, um, you know, we both had a lot of things from our past that we're kind of battling with, and we brought that into our relationship. And so we struggled for a couple of years, just, you know, as, as a, as a young couples would, um, bring in a lot of baggage into their relationship together. And so then we, um, you know, by the grace of God and some people that we knew, um, we looked inward and we kind of um, got some counseling and some went to uh, did this ministry thing that really helped us dig deep and, and dig into our past wounds. And that really helped us to um, grow a connection with each other and understand our shortcomings and um, connect and, and really understand what it, what it takes to be a solid couple. And so luckily that's kind of like what um, helped us to uh, get married and, and we started Freight House Fitness, and everything was going really great. Um, and then about a year into our business, um, the building caught on fire, and we had to move out overnight and move into a temporary space. So it's just been kind of crazy. Um, and then we found the place that we're in now, and um, and um, the craziness yeah. continues. Yeah, and <laughs> now we have this the, uh, coronavirus. Yeah. So. <laughs> the next cha- the next chapter of crazy, right? <laughs> But you know what, though? I mean, I think that, you know, and I love that um, anytime anybody can embrace and and get honest and become completely self-aware of who they are and where they came from, I think if anybody's going to lead a life of significance at some point, you have to do that. And it's not that everybody has 
you know, everybody, it, it's different for everybody. Everybody's story is unique and different and some are more challenging than others. But the fact that you did that and that you kind of at some point, and if you look at in the, in the grand scheme of things, recently looked at it, right, in the last decade or so, I mean, that's huge, you know, and I think that that's something that people can't forget. At some point, somebody, I always call them splat moments. I've had them. I've talked about it on the show, you know. Yeah. And everybody has them. And what you do with that splat moment is is really, is 100% up to you and what you do with it. And Yeah, I, mean, I, I thank God every day because it's like, because of all the things that happened back in 2009, you know, now I have a beautiful wife and a healthy relationship. I have two children um, that are awesome and we have a business with amazing community. You know? Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think where I think where we get in trouble and particularly um, people like yourself and, and I'm same way, you know, you have this flat moment. Uh, I, I turn things over to God more I become more authentic and honest with myself and everything right and it's all great and then I think the myth is or where the danger is at least for me is like okay we do this and if I do this and everything will now everything will run smooth the reason why my life was so jacked up before is because I wasn't self-aware I didn't have God whatever and now everything's going to be smooth sailing and that's not the case right I think that that life is always going to be presented with you you know weird, uncertain, scary, fearful things that I, I'm, I've come to the point where fear and uncertainty, I just realize it never goes away. It never goes away, but I'm okay with that. Does that make sense? And so I've learned to embrace it and to be the composed force within it. And that's, that's, that's the journey that we're supposed, that's the obligation I think is to be the composed force within a chaotic universe, because that's what, when people look to you, you know, that's when you can be a source of inspiration that's where you get more in touch with yourself your purpose your the universe obligation whatever i don't know i said a lot there but what do you think about what i said yeah i mean life's never easy my wife and i talk about all the time like our stress and we're like you know it's really a mindset um how you handle it because everyone's going through stuff and yeah everyone has challenges and battles and life is hard um so you just have to have the right mindset and uh i think that's really important um, and just, you know, there's, there's things that I do on a daily basis. Um, like gratitude yeah. is really important to me. Um, my exercise, um, you know, just a lot of different things. My wife and I have things that we do daily to check in with each other. And, um, so those things are like important because if you don't do those things, um, it's, it's, it makes it even tougher. Oh, I think it'll eat you alive. You know what I mean? I love that you said the gratitude thing. I think that's a great place for everybody to start. I know a lot of times, it's kind of like exercise or diet, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to get in shape. And then you go at it, you know, balls to the wall and all crazy. And then you get burned out. Right. It's kind of like that vicious cycle. You even talk about it in your bio. Right. I mean, yeah. sometimes, and I wanted to be that guy that got up at five 30 in the morning and journaled and prayed and, and then exercised and then made a cup of coffee and brought it to my wife and she's getting out of bed and then, you know, whatever. And then I, get down on myself when I don't even do one of those things. And then I kind of turned for me when I just started, you know, I'm just going to get up and just say a quick little prayer of gratitude every day. I'm thankful that my feet are hitting the floor and some people they can't. So I'm grateful that I am today. You know what I mean? And just, then it just builds. And I, 
I think starting with gratitude is key. Yeah, one thing that was really simple for me was um, when I heard this in a in another, um, I forgot who I heard it from, but basically changing words. So like instead of saying I have to, you say I get to. Yeah, so if you say, love I that. Have to or I have to work or I have to do this. You say, I, I get to work out or I get to go to work or, you know, I, I get to do this. Oh, I love that. That gave me chills when I think, I mean, it's so simple, right? It's such a, it's just a, a minor little tweak of the mindset and it's, and it completely changes the perspective, you know? And I think that, that the perspective is, and that's the battle, right? Is always trying to find the, the appropriate perspective for the moment. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with this COVID stuff. Okay, what are we trying to do here? What is what is what do I do now? But I love how you put in your, in your bio, love, humility, and forgiveness will restore anything. And that is the yeah. truth, isn't it? I mean Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, if you can forgive somebody if you can be humble enough to forgive somebody, um, you know, that that changes everything. Well, what's next for you guys? I mean, I want we talk a little bit about that. May fifteenth is probably where your where your eyes are right now. Are you are you even looking beyond that, or is it just May May sixteenth is what you kind of targeted right now? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'm looking at the rest of the year. Um, I'm looking at, you know, how long is this? Um, how long is this going to be a thing? Is this going to change the world forever? Um, and just kind of trying to embrace. Um, some new things, you know, I think it's going to give, I think there's going to be a lot of good that comes out of this. I think, um, our economy is going to, uh, have a good surge, uh, when this is over, um, just from when you look at every pandemic in, in history, there's always, uh, almost like a decade of, you know, like the roaring twenties and the, and the 1970s, um, or sixties. I mean, there's just been always kind of like this amazing decade of, of economy after, after a pandemic. So I'm looking for that. I'm being hopeful for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out right now, just what kind of what we're going to be doing on May 16th. Um, you know, and then, and then, um, how we're going to, you know, quick, kind of slowly, you know, kind of slowly build back up to, um, what we were doing before. Cause, Ultimately, I, I want to get back to large groups. I, I love having 30, 40 people in the gym and two coaches on the floor and, you know, the music's blasting and we've got some pop up going on with somebody, maybe a local business with, you know, sampled food and stuff like that. I mean, or we have like every year we have this big event, you know, we're, we're really big on balance and we really big on supporting local. And so we like to have this event called biceps and bruise. And it's like, you know, 60 people are here and it's a big summer event. And, um, we have like a local brewery come in a local barbecue place like food truck. And so then we work out for like a solid hour, um, do kind of like a brutal arm workout and then go outside and have like a barbecue and beer and stuff, you know, and I, I don't think that's probably going to happen this year, but, um, but I look forward to those days again. Well, I think they'll be there. I'm an optimist. You know, I, I there's been so much negativity, certainly on the pilot forum boards and so many doom and gloom guys, and I just can't do it, you know, and I get chastised for being an optimist. I think people are chopping at the bit. I think once we realize that we can 
do get back to normal. I don't think it's going to be this year, like you said, but I think if you keep your vision on that, I think you will get back there someday because people want that. You know, we're social creatures. I don't buy into this, that for here and forevermore, we're always going to be social distancing. I just don't buy it. You know? Yeah. I, mean, I, I heard um, that um, they were talking about how human beings might be suggested to never, never shake hands or do a high five ever again. Oh, and yes. I'm just like, that's, what? That's, <laughs> that's a bunch of crap. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, we've had, like you said, I mean, we just, for 75 years, I think we've kind of taken a nap to this kind of stuff, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. there was, there were other, um, pandemics like in the fifties, the Hong Kong flu in the sixties, you know, we forgot about all those, you know, but yeah, it's just crazy. You know, people will get back. I mean, we're human beings, you know, we, you can't, you can't erase that genetic code for connection. You can't, we were meant no. to be connected. And as much as the experts and the pundits want to try to make it like, oh, yeah, we're going <laughs> to whatever. It's like people saying it's like, well, you know, with Zoom and everything else, no one's going to want to travel anymore. Are you kidding me? Come on. They said that about email. They said that about the fax machine. They said, that about, you know, whatever. Yeah, I've yeah, already got friends saying, oh, man, I can't wait to get to like Cancun again and, and you know, stimulate their economy because I know they're really struggling right now. Yeah. This life was meant to be lived. It wasn't meant to be mediocre, right? And that's the challenge that I think people have to realize. And that's why I love entrepreneurs and guys like you. I think you you understand that, you know, that life wasn't meant to be lived, you know, in a sea of mediocrity. And that's yeah. what scares me more than anything else. And that's 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 what I think needs to be fought. And in a safe way, it doesn't mean do what we got to do, right? Yeah. Do what we got to do, but don't lose sight of how life was supposed to be lived in my opinion yeah no doubt man it's so great to meet you how can people get in touch with you learn more about freight house fitness and um learn about your community yeah i mean real easy um freighthousefitness.com right when you go to the website we've kind of got it all highlighted around the quarantine um so you can see a, a video of kind of our offering um right now we're doing like a 30 day 30 dollar 30 day plan um, it's a really great value because you get 30 days of full workouts and um, 30 days of nutrition along with uh, weekly accountability from our coaches. So it's a really great deal. Um, we try to really pack in as much value as possible. And, and hopefully, you know, from there, uh, we just figure out, um, you know, if you're somebody that wants to continue remote or, or come into our facility when we're able to. Yeah, I love the fact. I mean, looking at 30 day quarantine at home plan overview, it's got everything laid out for me, my nutrition plan, my workout plan, my stretching, everything, man. Great job. I mean, way to way to pivot and adjust in such short order. I really do appreciate your intent and your intentionality behind that. Just looks great. Thanks. Yeah. Very cool, man. We'll have links to all this on the post. Again, thanks for coming on the show. I'm proud to call you, have you in the Dose of Leadership Circle, and I, and I look forward to staying in touch with you. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. 
I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big.